Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? Everything good? It's Thursday. I tell you what, it's bloody cold here in the UK. That's because it's November. Can you believe it's November? This year has zipped by. Now, I'm going to have to say the C word now. That's right, Christmas. I'm going to have to start talking about it. Because, do you remember last Christmas, what we did? Now, if you haven't joined us, then this is what we did. All the listeners, we all got together, and all the listeners sent in their favourite moments of different episodes And what we did is we packed it all together in a two-part episode, and it was the listeners' podcast, the listeners' favourite. So we thought it went down so well, didn't it, last year? So I thought we'd do it again. So get your thinking caps on. Go back through all the episodes that you've listened to this year. Pick out your little favourite moments. So if you thought, I love Susan Wacoma's bit, uh, send us the time codes. So you'll just say, Craig, Griff, we love Susan Wacoma's episode, and my favourite bit was 22... 08 to 2407. We'll nick that bit out and we'll pack it all together in a very lovely two part episode. And it's your episode. So think what made you laugh, what made you cry, what inspired you, what shocked you, even anything. It can be anything. So think about that. Now, also speaking of Christmas, a few weeks back I said that I was thinking of getting a a Christmas party episode together. We'll have a few guests, we'll have a little house band. I'm not sure. We're going to be able to fit it in before Christmas. It's just too busy. So what I thought we would do is do a live episode in January to bring the new year in. We'll do the same. We'll have a couple of guests. We'll have a little musical act. It'll be really nice. We'll all get together. And I thought we'd do it somewhere where we've never done a live episode yet. And we'll do it in London. What do you think? You in? Fantastic. Let's Get that sorted. Um, Oh, your T-shirt designs, the T-shirt design competition is almost closed. If if you haven't done it yet, just get it done. It can be anything. It can be really small. It can be massive. Whatever the podcast means to you, whack it on a design. We'll stick it on a T-shirt. The best one wins. I'm not sure who's going to judge it yet. Maybe I'll get a past guest to judge it. That might be nice, eh? Um, Right. Past guest present guest episode 62 we went to london we went to our lovely little cafe on greek street big shout out to maison bateau and tanya there helping us out and we met with the very lovely jacob anderson or you may know him as rally richie either way i think you're really going to love this episode um it's funny i spoke to jacob a few days ago uh just making sure he was cool with the episode um, and he said, listening back to it, he's in a very different headspace to who he was, um, where he was a few weeks ago when we recorded it. Uh, I don't want to say too much, but I think you'll understand once you listen to the episode itself. It's uh, it's very, very honest. Um, look, let's just get into it. This is episode 62 of the Two Shot Podcast with Jacob Anderson. I'll see you at the end. How's it going? 
I'm good, man. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad we've got it together at last. No. Talking, how long are we talking about this for? At least six months. Yeah. At least. Yeah. So, um, what came first for you? Because this is the first time that I've spoken to somebody who's got who's constantly kind of wearing two hats mm. in the industry. Yeah. So, what came first? Was it the music or the acting? Um, it's really weird. I've got kind of like this long, convoluted contradictory origin story <laughs> go go <laughs> in that like music was the first thing that was like this is what i want to do for a job yeah and then i but i always kind of did like i went to like acting groups and stuff occasionally when like, you, nothing uh, like serious at school but, or yeah yeah i think i just like it was just a good way of like expressing myself or like getting bad Get, energy out getting it out yeah, yeah. yeah and um and also like my drama teacher um it was kind of like a sense that like in drama there's no desks so there's nothing to sleep on right okay <laughs> <laughs> where well, i kind of slept through school what, so. yeah, i was gonna say trying to say you were lazy at school i wasn't lazy i just i didn't feel i didn't feel engaged i think i felt i felt like it wasn't for me it wasn't really in the way that, that no one was kind of speaking to you or nothing was speaking to yeah. you yeah I think it's like the things that I was really interested in I really engaged with yeah. I was really into English I loved like writing and reading words I liked music but I didn't like music lessons I hated the like theory it, of music because you were you were being sort of policed in that musical environment you couldn't express what you wanted to do yeah it was more stuff being forced upon you yeah it yeah. was like learn the history of baroque music and i was like i don't know how that relates to me like yeah now i can listen to i listen to classical music and i'm like this is beautiful and you i can, can kind of put yeah. my own thing to it but at school you're kind of you get given the context i feel like you get given too much context about the about what you're listening to it's like listen to this piece of music and then analyze it for five minutes and tell us why it's important and why it changed the face of music and yeah. I was like I don't care it's I not can't. a freeing environment no. to sort of grow and learn yeah. but I suppose things you know you're saying about now you can look back on classical music and you get something from it but of course things like that come from maturity as well mm. don't they mm. but yeah. but what you did you did the, the one thing for me that was like the real turning point I guess was that I used to spend all my lunch times in the music block. It was like a, in my school they had. I think they had like a bit more money to to put to, to um, uh, like arts and sport. So there was this block that had like Cubase. You ever heard of Cubase? No. Like tell a me what music is it? Production uh, software. But they had that there and they had keyboards. And I used to just spend my lunch time in the music room, just making beats and stuff and playing messing about with the piano so you feel that you're you had time to express yourself there yeah but i but i didn't basically when you have to pick your gcses that time came about and my music teacher kind of didn't want me to do music because i think she could kind of tell that i wasn't engaged with it in that kind of intellectual way yeah um but if you chose music for gcse you get access to the music block at lunchtime, so right. I would have lost access to that space if I hadn't done it. So you got to sort of play the game a bit there. Yeah, yeah. But I got like an E in musical. Uh, you know, I, I 
which is so it's ironic just, considering <laughs> what, what, part of what you do for a living now yeah exactly and we're in Bristol aren't we yeah yeah whereabouts yeah. can him? you tell from my strong Bristol accent well it's done because I know because I live <laughs> I live now not far from Bristol I where live are like, you I'm, I'm in Gloucestershire okay so yeah, I'm sort of near, I'm near Stroud so I'm like 30 minutes from Bath and Bristol and Bristol's always struck me considering the sort of eight years that I've kind of been knocking about there. There's mm. always something going off. There's always it's a very creative city. Yeah. Was it like that when when you were there? Yeah, yeah. I like. I think it was in the sense that nobody ever. There was never any kind of like resistance to to like something creative being a job or being something like you were allowed to sort of not work if <laughs> you felt like in bristol it was like oh if you're a creative person then just go and be creative and live your dream do whatever you want to do which is like, healthy i think it's you know? great yeah but at the same time i think i like as i'm i think most people are but like i'm a walking contradiction like i i that kind of energy is great but to me when i was there it felt unstructured it felt like it was like can make music for people in Bristol and there's right. like a scene in Bristol and it yeah. stays in Bristol mm. whereas for me I was always like more ambitious than that I think and that's not to say that people in Bristol aren't ambitious no but, but there just is... I, I felt like that when I was a teenager and also mm. when you're growing up in a certain place it doesn't matter apart from if you're in a huge city mm. Bristol might have felt very very small mm. for you growing up in the time and for sort of your tastes and ambitions to sort of grow yeah. especially with because Bristol's it has got that connection with that Bristol music mm. scene it always has and it still has now yeah. maybe that wasn't speaking to you at that time I think I resisted it right really yeah I mean like my dad was friends with like the like massive attack with people in Porter's Head and like I think he grew up with them so that thing I always saw as like my parents thing that right. kind of like okay. trip hop thing I, yeah. was, I was like I was like oh that's like what my parents listen to well, I, didn't, so, I didn't come to that till later it certainly speaks to people of a certain age doesn't it because mm. that's you know I remember when Massive Attack and Porter's Head were blowing up and then where are they from oh they're from Bristol and yeah. then the Bristol sort of boom and even from there. But even now like that stuff some of that stuff like Tricky mm. still sounds like revolutionary it's absolutely like, it doesn't even sound today. like anything else yeah, yeah yeah but at the time I, I was just like no, that's not me. I don't especially if do it's, that. Especially if it's, it's like a book and if it's passed down from somebody, yeah. you go, well, that's your taste. <laughs> and I, I, no, I need to find my own sort of path and my own taste. Yeah, yeah I get it, man. I get it. So speaking of, about your parents, what did they mm. do for a living? Um, my mum has had, like, they're both kind of people. Well, I've got three parents. I'm okay. like, I'm a, I'm a child of divorce. Right. <laughs> um, so my, yeah, my mum and dad have had different kind of jobs. They've just kind of gone from thing to thing as they've, as I've grown up. My mum worked, at one point she worked in like <coughs> merch for Peter Gabriel's right, okay. label. Yeah. Um, and she did like l this, these like inflatable things. You know, you see at festivals and stuff, you see those like yeah. big inflatable sculptures and stuff. Yeah. She did that for years. My dad has worked uh, for social services he worked in security for many years um what else did he do oh and he's a plasterer right that's like the thing that's his trade so i'm just trying to work out where the creativeness comes from <laughs> with you do you know what i mean because yeah. sometimes sometimes it just comes 
from fucking nowhere. And yeah. then, but sometimes it all, you know, it bleeds down because, you know. I d- yeah, I don't know. And I'm like, my sisters? stepmom's had lots of jobs as well. Like, they, I've, got, I've got two younger sisters, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know where it comes from, really. Like, my dad's very passionate about music. He's always right. been very passionate about music. So I think he introduced me to stuff quite young that nobody else was sort of listening to of my age. So we kind of like, I feel like... Feeding. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I was always, to some degree, like encouraged to, to, to like follow whatever it was I was interested in. With some exceptions, yeah. but, you know, like, yeah, it, <laughs> I don't know where it comes from. I do. I, I think to your point about Bristol, there is, I think that thing does feed into people there. Like there's like a mix. There's Bristol's very much. I feel like it's about mixing and matching different cultures to make one yeah. thing. And I think that's definitely like bled into, bled into me somehow. Um, yeah, like my par- my parents are they're all creative in their own way. Like I d- I never think creativity is just about like if you write stuff or you act or you sing or Yeah. I think you can be creative in any field of work, you know? Absolutely. I think it's just in- encouragement. And- but I suppose that what whatever you do, whatever it is creatively, it's mm. inspiring. Mm. If I I can't plaster a wall to save my life mm. but if your dad can come and show me how to plaster a wall then oh, I'm, my, get, I'm getting inspiration from that my I? dad is an artist like, yeah. like the way Exa- that he, pl- exactly, he yeah. plasters walls beautifully like mm. there and he really takes pride in his work like when he you know I've seen some of his work and even though I don't know the first thing about pl- I laboured for him for a little bit but I don't know the first thing about plastering really and I can see that he's really great at what he does and that and I think it's, I think it is like you take pride in things that you are passionate about and care about. Yeah. 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 And I think that's what creativity is. You know, it's like putting energy into something you care about. Do you find it hard personally mm. when you, you do put a lot of, and I'm more talking about the music now, do you put a lot of love and care and you, especially into your music? Because. Mm. You know, when you're acting, there's only so much control you have because you're reading from somebody else's script. You know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah. when you're creating your own work and you're putting all that love and care in, mm. and, and and you don't get back what you feel you should get back, is there an expectation there? Do you, do you, I'm, am I being eloquent enough? No, I, know, I know what you're saying. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, th- I think I don't have a strong expectation of what happens on the other end. Like, I think the way I make music is really selfish. I think that I... Selfish in what way? Like, it's like an exorcism for me. That's like, I've kind of come to that realisation recently. That's like, if the things that are holding me back in some way or filling my brain and they're unmanageable things, if they, if like, if my outlet is to write a song, I'm getting as much of that stuff out of my head and putting it into a song. I'm like, I'm transferring that energy. It doesn't mean it won't come back, but whatever that energy is on that day, it's, if I've done, if I've been honest 
and I've done what I set out to do, then it's gone by the end of the session. Like by the time that song's finished, for it's, me, I'm like, it's done. Cool. I've been true to myself. Yeah. Been honest, and I've and I now have made something positive out of something really difficult. Um, but that doesn't mean that. Like I feel like I get the biggest sense of like the other end of it when I do shows, like when I do live shows. Because to cause see people... Because you're getting it back there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like direct. It's to see people singing songs that are really, like, really personal things about your inner thoughts. Like, to me, that makes me feel less lonely. Right. And that's the thing that I really get out of on the other side. But I don't have an expectation of, like people have to listen to this in this way or at this time or... Or feel a certain way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I do have a hope, at least in hindsight, when I finish the song, that like, I hope this helps somebody in some way that feels the same way as me. Even I if hope, it's just a small fragment yeah. of, of something of what you've written. Yeah, yeah, I hope it helps them with their exorcism. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I'm putting exorcism into it as it's like... No, but I, religious... I, I, I do understand what you mean. <laughs> and you, you said a few times there about personal, some things that are personal and things that are honest. Mm. Do you feel that when you write, it, it has to come from a place of, of truth and, and honesty and you being personal to connect with the music? Because that, that would be, that would sort of connect with the exorcism. It's something yeah. that you kind of have to get out in a, in a, in a, maybe in a healing way. For, for me? Yeah. For me, I definitely think so. Yeah. And for other you, people, I don't think it has to be that, but I, I can tell when I haven't been honest. Ah, that's, that's funny to say, I was, that's the next thing I was going to talk about, because sometimes if you, you know, it's like when, when you're acting and yeah. you go, no, I don't buy that because I, 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 I don't yeah. believe it. I suppose, <laughs> it, I mean, is it the same when you, you write something, write music? Yeah. Yeah, when you it can, is. You can tell immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And I hate to, I hate to kind of put, almost don't want to put this out into the world, but... <laughs> Because I, I don't think it's... When I say this, I'm not to anybody that is making music or making something. I don't want to put this, like, thing on them to be like, oh, well, I do it this way because... Yeah, like, I, think, I think there's, like, a... I think there's a, I think there's a really unfair thing that happens when people talk about something they've made, which is that it comes across as it being easy. And, I like, I think... I think it's really important to be honest about like the process of making something and how difficult it was. Like when last year we went and did like two weeks in this farm just to write for the album. And I like every day I wrote down how the day had gone. Cause I was like, I don't want to forget when these songs were all finished and polished. I don't want to forget how hard it was. Sometimes I don't want to forget the 45 minutes of silence when I couldn't think of anything to say. Cause it's, I feel like that, that would be a lie. Yeah. And it would undermine, hopefully, the truth of whatever I was saying. But, but yeah, I, I can tell. I, the, the, mostly the songs that I'm most comfortable with, or most happy with, are the songs that I wrote in like half an hour. Because, it's, because it just sort of comes... It, yeah, it just I, falls out. I'm not out. saying this is easy, but it does fall out of you. But that's mm. because it comes from a place of truth, surely. Yeah, exactly. But that's the thing is, that will happen if you're telling the truth. Like, I, I think that if somebody is passionate enough about Hoovers, 
they could write a song about a Hoover and somebody else in the world would be like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because I feel exactly the same way. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I don't like, and it doesn't matter if you can't sing or you can't like, you know, you don't have the like traditional big acrobatic voice. Like, I think if you mean it, then if, you can't if, really be wrong. What it's like if you mean it, it you can sell it and someone's going to buy it. Mm. And I know that's quite a crude way to run, but I'm talking about if it comes from a place of truth, then mm. there's connectivity between you and that other person, yeah. whatever it may be. Definitely. And you talk about, I mean, that seems a lot of pressure to go away, <laughs> right? And go, right, we're going to have two weeks, we're going to be in this barn. Do you come with prepared stuff? Or do you go, well, well, let's see what falls out over the two weeks. What if nothing sticks? I've tried to be prepared, but it just doesn't. That, that's not the way for you. It just doesn't work like that Because that's a whole new thing for me. Because <laughs> the more time I, I, you know, I speak to so many different musicians and everybody's yeah. uh, journey to, to get to writing the album will, is just mind-blown because it's so different. It's mm. just like talking to anybody else, an actor or an artist or a poet. It's different for everybody. Yeah, different for everybody. Yeah, and that's how I... So you, you don't put that pressure on yourself? Yeah, all the time. Every every time I go to the studio, I'm like, I put so much pressure on myself. Especially after, like, being in a second album mode. I'm constantly, like, measuring myself up against everything else that I've put out. Right, okay. You know? Like, yeah. And I think that's kind of what writer's block is, maybe. Or at least it is to me, like, that. It's, it's the process of doubting yourself at every self-editing it's yeah. it's it's like which is you know. which is really hard mm. and we, we all do it and there's times when i think we possibly should do it but i personally i think it's knowing when to do it and when not mm-hmm. to, to, to for that self-edit and of course you are gonna you do make comparisons yeah i mean you know <laughs> the first album did did really well and you I'm sure, obviously, you were pleased with the quality and honesty of the songs. But, I mean, sometimes I think... Do you know, like... Right, do you know if you go into an audition for Mm. a job, we'll just just cross the streams and go over into the acting. Yeah. And you do a really good audition, Mm. but then you don't get the job. Mm. Are you thinking, oh, well, why? Are you... Can you put that to bed? Or are you making comparisons with how you were on that day or I'm just trying to get some parallels between that and the music, do you know? I, I'm afflicted with, <laughs> with that thing of like, of course I didn't get it because I'm not good enough. Right, okay. Like I'd, I've never thought I deserved this single job I've ever got. I've never, yeah, I don't think I've ever had that feeling of like, yeah, I deserve to be here. So I don't, I, I never have a sense really after an audition if I've done well or not. I'm just like, I'm just going to do it, try my best, try and make it seem like the way somebody would say this. <laughs> the way that you would say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I know what you mean. Um, but let's, yeah. go, let's go back to, because um, we'll keep jumping around the timelines. Which is what no, but that's like, that's I what know. my life is like. I know, is but, that's, <laughs> but that's what a conversation's like, isn't yeah. it? You know, a structured um, interview has questions and answers. This, and this, this, this is, this isn't that, mm. you know, um, and I, lo- I, I love that. <laughs> um, to leaving school, mm-hmm. did you have the plan 
to get out of Bristol at that point? Or when did you feel that... I, I think, if I'm being really honest... I mean, I've just come from therapy, so you've got me at like a very raw <laughs> time. Um, it's, a du- it's a double therapy session. <laughs> um, to be honest, I, I kind of had to get out of Bristol. I sort of... We don't have to talk about anything that you don't no, want to talk about. No, I, but I'm happy to talk about... I'm happy to talk about it because I think honesty is important. And something I'm really working for at the moment is that like especially in terms of like if if anybody else can can relate to something then maybe it helps them in some way yeah but i like i was depressed at the end of school and i didn't know it i can only put that language to it now but yeah i like you know i got two gcse's uh i all my friends had like done really well they were like a star students yeah um so I felt like a complete outcast. I'd already kind of like, I spent most of my school time outcasting myself and just making sure that I was like cool with everybody. Um, and, and it really affected me when I came out and I, I had no idea what I was going to do. I knew that I wanted to make stuff, but I didn't know what. There was nothing that really told me that there was a job where I could do like what I enjoyed about drama what I enjoyed about music yeah um but what I did do and now when I think about it I'm like I don't even know how I managed this but I wrote a I think it was like 10 page script and sent it to uh the head of this course at City of Bristol College and it's called it was like a media moving image right um See, this is what I mean. It's like, it's not a very linear thing. I'd, I'd also just started to like fall in love with films. Right, okay. In like a really different way to what I had as a child. When I was a kid, I was like, I, I used to write reports for my mum, like for why we should go and see a film. So I'd be like, it's rated PG. Right. It's this length. Um, <laughs> these like, are my know, reasons. Yeah, and yeah. it's on at these times. This is why I think like I, I should see this film. Um, so I always loved films in that way, but then there was one night we went to Blockbusters and we got Secret Window, that Johnny right. Depp, Stephen King adaptation. Um, and it's always to do with squirrels and that. But anyway, um, <laughs> and then we also got Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which, like, I loved Jim Carrey when I was growing up. Yeah. And I remember going to cinema with my mum and there was this Jim Carrey film that I couldn't go see because I was too young. Yeah. And her friend had just been to see it and was saying it was amazing. So when we went to Blockbuster, I'd spotted it and I was like, I want to watch that one. I wasn't, I was 14. I probably didn't say it like that. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, we watched Secret Window and then my mum went to bed and I stayed up and watched Eternal Sunshine and my mind just like exploded. Yeah. I, was like, I had no idea that anybody, I didn't know you could do this. And got to the end of the film and I watched it from the top to the end straight again straight away yeah and um and I feel like that was the first time I was like I would quite like to make films I think I think that's what I want to do I think like I can incorporate music I didn't ever really feel confident to like sing I like to write but I didn't want to be like in front of anything I didn't want to be like 
in front of a band on stage or in front of a camera. So you didn't want it's, that spotlight on yeah, you. It's, it's bizarre that I've ended up doing both of those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I was like, I, wanna, I think I want to be a filmmaker. So that's why I wrote this script, sent it into this course, went in for an interview. And even though I didn't have the GCSEs I needed, the head of that course said, if anyone drops out of the course, you got a place. And um, Did someone drop out? Yeah, ah. I did. And, uh, <laughs> How did that make you feel that, because um, at the time, personally, thing you weren't feeling great at all? No. So then somebody has given you an opportunity and opened the door for you. Yeah. Did that help in any way? Um, within you? That there was, that was, I, that if, was positivity, it's positivity coming? It, it probably did, yeah. I don't, I don't exactly remember how I felt at that time about the course. I was just really glad that I, there was something I could do because I was starting to run out of, I was like, I can't, I'm not going to get into a uni. Yeah. I'm not going to get into college. I definitely, don't, I'm not going to get into the sick form at my school. Like I had a job and I loved my job. I worked at Virgin Megastores. It was the greatest job ever. I loved it. I got to be around the things that I loved. Um, so I was kind of like, you know, I'm happy to stay there and keep working there, but. Um, yeah, this was like a different route. And I went, um, we started talking about like film school and the, like the chance of like going to film school. You didn't necessarily have to have the grades, kind of like college. If your work could speak for you, then you could go to one of those places. Yeah. Um, lasted two terms. Why? I always slightly remember this wrong, I think, but. I there were there were open auditions for a TV show, and I was still at secondary school. So this is before college, right? Okay. I auditioned for the TV show, didn't get a part in it, but the casting director was like, "Would you be interested in uh, acting? Is that a thing that you would like to do?" And I was like, "No, I want to do the other thing. I want to write, and I want to. Oh, sorry, uh, I want to write and direct." And she was like, "Well, what better way to?" learn how to make stuff than yeah. to be where they make things um, and so yeah so that was kind of happening in the background nothing really came of it I, I think I auditioned for like some agents or whatever um, got into college and then I got cast in Doctors right right of Passage yeah of course um it's like the actors repping it. It's like yeah. what the bill used to be. <laughs> I did the bill as well. Um, yeah, so that, <laughs> I did that. And then I got cast in uh, a film called Adulthood, which was not, they didn't have, I feel like what happened was the director hadn't directed anything yet. So the UK Film Council, as it was called back then, yeah. Um, they needed a test, like they needed test footage, basically. They had to shoot a scene. So, to get the finance. Yeah, yeah, so I got cast in that, essentially. I got cast to do that scene and um, shot that. Wasn't sure what was going to happen. Me being me, I was like, they're not going to ask me back. I did a bad job. Six months go by. I'm at college. I'm kind of in, like, I'm enjoying it. I'm getting into the flow of it. I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make films. The acting thing is maybe not like 
my calling. Wherever. But you're dipping your toe in the water. You're trying little different things to see yeah. what the best option is. And also, during this whole time, I went to this thing called Studio 7 that my friend told me to go to, which was basically a just a, this woman called Kizzy Morell just got a club on a Thursday night and you could go, you write a song and then you perform it to the other kids and they critique you. No, live. My yeah. God. Well, that's a har- harsh way. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. And that kind of built up my confidence. And then I started, me and this guy started a band and we like were playing shows in Bristol. So I was doing music as well. How did you feel about going time. up there for the first time to... It's terrifying. But that's, that's kind of what Studio 7 did for me, was it like gave me the confidence. There's nothing scarier than like standing up in front of your peers and no, having them... No, 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 no. Once you've done that, yeah. then... And that was kind of what gave me the thing of like, oh, I like I'll... I'll write, I can sing, I sing as well, but like I do it under a pseudonym, I do it quietly and just do it because it's my, I learned very young that just writing stuff down was the most, I didn't talk to people when I was a kid, like I didn't talk to anybody about where my head was at, so my only Did you feel you couldn't at that point? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was like, you don't, you don't because you because stuff. also you were you were a teenager. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> they, they don't. We didn't. And yeah. you know. Um, yeah, but Maybe I just kind of worked out the writing in in my exercise books. That's what was. They were full of songs or like little, just me literally just writing how I felt that day. It was like a diary, and it was therapeutic for you to do that because it was a yeah. personal thing for you. Yeah. So I was kind of doing all of this stuff at the same time. Got cast in that film or in the, the teaser for it, six months go by, I did an episode of The Bill, and I did this other show called The Whistleblowers with right. Indira Varma. And uh, and they were, it was fine. I could just go and do them and come back to college. They let me go off to do that because they could see why it helped. Yeah. And then uh, I got an email... <laughs> from my agent saying um, they want you to do the film and it's like next month and I was like what I just I'd already convinced myself that that was gone um, and so yeah I, I went and did that and then that kind of that was the beginning of it just never really stopped after that I just feel like such a dick being like oh it just I just worked and worked and worked after that. And, and like, I'd, I never really intended to. And it's not that. Like, I did like it. I, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. You obviously gained something it. from it. Yeah. You know, and to it, carry on. I think it's the, the for me, acting is does the opposite for me than what music does. What like, do it mean? takes me out of my head. Right. It, com- it completely removes me from my own brain, which I can't, I don't feel like I have control over. Whereas if I am acting... I have a level of control over presenting somebody else. Okay. I don't have to be myself for that time that I'm doing something. And it's really good for me. <laughs> it's therapeutic in its own way. And to, I think that's step what that outside was doing. yourself in a way. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I, I dropped out of college because I was like, I'll, if I keep acting, and it's, it's, I really love it. And it means I go up to London. And I, like, I was auditioning as well. Like, I'd, sometimes I'd get a coach from Bristol at like 5 a.m. to get to a 9 a.m. casting. Yeah. 
don't know why I didn't just ask if they could move it. I didn't know you could do that back then. But like, you know, I was like regularly doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I just, yeah, I loved London. It was... Were you feeling... Just, I was just away from... Like, you know, there was like stuff going on at home and like, I, I just, I had to get out of Bristol. It just kept reminding me that I was lacking. Whereas in London, I could hide a bit more and I could... You could be just be anonymous. Yeah, and you knew yeah, exactly. You weren't going to walk down the street could, and bump into people that you knew. Yeah, I could start again. And why did you feel you needed to start again? And tell me if we don't we don't need to go places you don't want to go. No, no, it's fine. Like I say, I think it's, I think it's important. Yeah, to, but I, um, it's a combination of things. I think like there's stuff that now I realise about then when I was growing up that I'm like, that's not, that wasn't okay. That, that situation wasn't okay. Okay. That, you know, it's like, yeah, there's, there's things that were happening that just, I wasn't, it wasn't a necessarily good place for me to be. It wasn't helping my mental state already. Yeah. It was already a bit shaken. Um, but instead of, yeah, I feel like London was kind of like, it's a bit like running away, I guess. Yeah. But I, I was running away to something. I yeah. had a job and I had a purpose and I had, I was learning and I would just ask people questions. I just ask directors and, and like camera apart department. I just ask them questions about I suppose stuff. you were running away to the big city, but instead of having no sort of clear path, mm. there was a bit of a safety net there because you had work. You were, as you say, you were running away but running to something mm, yeah and then I doubled up like I did sessions when I was here like music sessions and started to meet producers in London and I like it was just all I think I'm realising right now that I haven't not like I've constantly been trying to distract myself from myself by doing stuff I'm like making music writing songs like trying to write films and or like TV ideas and and acting and doing this and doing that and just, just I'm constantly trying to like distract my brain. I have to keep my brain distracted because when it stops, when I'm not distracted, I go into like a bit of meltdown. Even when I've got lots of stuff, I go into a bit of meltdown. Yeah, yeah, So it's like... So it's Cash 22. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So London was like, I could write music. I was acting, which I really enjoyed and was taking me out of my head and I was getting free film school. <laughs> As yeah. I saw it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Because you're um, constantly learning on every set. Yeah, yeah. From yeah. loads of different people. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and then kind of, yeah, that was it. And then I got to a point when I was, I think I was about 18, 19, when I started to realise that I was doing stuff. And when I say this, I know a lot of actors listen to this show, so please know that I understand the privilege of being able to say this. Yeah. But I started to realise that I was doing stuff for money, but I was kind of unhappy. That you didn't want to be doing it. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, I love films. I love TV. I love storytelling. I bet so you, why would I be in things I wouldn't watch? I bet you any money, there's, most actors listening to this now will mm. be able to relate to that and go, do you know what? Yeah, I did do that. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'll put my hand up. I've done it only only once or twice I've done mm. it and it made me so unhappy 
like I would go home really un- like desperately, desperately sad. Mm. And it was the only time that I went, I, d- I don't think I can do this anymore mm-hmm. because this is, I can't connect to this. Yeah. And it's what I'm doing is not of any, not that it has to be of importance, but it's not truthful. I don't believe in it. I don't like it. Mm. And it just sets you back and brings you down. It's not, it's not good. It's not healthy at all, no. I don't think. No. But of course. But you need to do it sometimes. Is, on like, the flip side is, look, you know. we all need to, we've all got bills to pay. Mm. We've all got food to put on the table. Some of us have got families. Mm. You know, it's, we have to do something. But also it's amazing to, it doesn't, it's all relative, isn't it? And it doesn't, mm. it doesn't mean that you're ungrateful if you feel like that. But yeah, also I, like, I do understand the value of being on a set or being on stage or like doing something that you love, even if the specific thing isn't something you love, you can find something in it. Hopefully you can find something in it that you're like, well, that's what you've got to really try, aren't you? Yeah. I'm not in the best situation (laughs) personally that I would like to professionally that I would like to be in here or actually personally, because you bring yourself to it. Then you, I've got to find something. I've got to find something to help yeah. to help me sort of get through it. I suppose on the other side now, with the music, mm. you're not doing things. You're you're not doing things that you don't believe in, or you don't. You're not being put in a situation. So, no. in a way, the lack of control that that you might get sometimes with the acting, you've got pretty much I don't know I'm, I'm not in the music business but mm. you've got pretty much full control certainly about the output yeah of of, well, of your of your music surely for me there was no output until like I just did it for myself really for for most of the time I kind of just it was just writing songs was just the thing that I did to so how did it, it change <laughs> how did it change then um when did it change I, was there a concerted effort for you to go, no, I, I, we need to, I've done this for me mm. and I love doing this for me and I want to carry on doing this for me, but I kind of want to step it up again. Yeah. I th- well, another sort of like turning point in Bristol was that I, um, that's like ASMR, that sound. It's satisfying. Oh, is it? <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, sorry, I'm, uh, here, I'm here to help, man. That's all I can say. <laughs> I just put you on blast. You, you being so subtle. Um, yeah, the the uh, another thing was that Studio Seven. You'd get opportunities sometimes to go in open for. You'd be like, you'd be on at six as the doors were opening for like different people, right? And I opened for this artist called Terry Walker, who I loved, and um, my now manager used to run bars. And he ran that bar and he wanted to quit and start doing music management. He contacted me. I think he contacted Kizzy and then I had to, I had to like go with my mum to meet him and stuff because I was, I was under 18. And, um, and he used to drive me up to sessions and stuff. Um, so I'd, I'm saying that before I say my manager did this because yeah. then it would just be like, where where'd you get a manager from? Yeah, yeah, no. Um, but... Uh, I, even though I was kind of making music just for me and I I would put it, I wanted to put it out, but I had no real like desire to sign to a label or anything. I was like, I'd just be quite nice to just put it up and have it there for people to listen to if they want to. You could take it or leave it. Um, My manager 
just made a, like some of my demos public on SoundCloud and a publisher got hold of it. The publisher started to send it to other people and then all of a sudden my manager got a load of phone calls and emails from labels saying like, would you like to come in for a meeting? This happened around the time that I started to be like, I need to love, I want to keep loving acting. Yeah. But I'm not because I'm just doing stuff for the sake of doing it. Yeah. Um, I was also, I did a play for a year and it was just... A year? For a year. Long time. Yeah. And, and I hated it. It was not the right thing for me to do at the time. Right. I was miserable. I was depressed again. I was like self-medicating being just being like very self-destructive I was in a very destructive place yeah and um I just realized that I just wasn't wasn't finding joy or happiness in anything anymore um and so (laughs) I started meeting labels and I was like I'm absolutely not going to sign to a major label they steal your music and then (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so the guards, the guards you. up you're yeah. worried already I was just like I want to just be able to make what I want to make and what I like making ended up really getting on with uh, people at Columbia um, I'd auditioned for a few things but I kind of like slowed down a little bit it's the first time I started to and I feel like a, a dick saying this but it was like the first time I started to turn down auditions not because i was in a position to financially or no or like you know but just because i was like if i'm gonna do something that i love doing i just have to go all in and just do things that i love yeah but if the happiness Gotta try at least if the happiness is is taking a battering on on one side of your career mm. and the other side of the career is fulfilling that happiness then you jump ship and go with the one that's sort of fulfilling everything surely. also like I was just writing a lot of songs at that time because I was miserable yeah and that was like the only way to get it out it was the only way to get it out of my system um is it still the is way it, to, is it still a way to get it out of your system yeah. even now yeah 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 100% um so Colombia yeah I realise I keep thinking like I'm skipping I'm like skipping years I have my memory is like very weird it works very non-linear look whenever, um, <laughs> we do, whenever we do this we jump around the timelines all the time you know you've heard some of the podcasts it's like it's great that's the it's a very unstructured conversation and that's yeah. the way I like it yeah you know I mean well, the other thing that happened was that kind of the most important thing that happened was that I met my girlfriend who's also an actor and I always, we were both out of work at the same time when we first met right and so we had this like beautiful run-up and I started to feel better and I started to come back from that place that I was in and um and that also I think was another thing that drove me to be like no I've got to go for what I love because love is amazing yeah. when you are in love with something it's the best feeling um and you're finding that joy back in your life yeah yeah um Did that help, was that obviously helping with the depression did that get you out of it uh, to a certain extent yeah to a certain extent and I think but like at the time kind of absolutely but I think something that, I, that I'm realising about depression and anxiety and your mental health is that it 
it really does come from within. You can't, you can't just build stuff over it to feel better, especially when it comes from like, you know, for me, like it goes back to like eight years old or something. Like it's, you know, you just plastering over the cracks and yeah, it's, you know, they'll get, they'll they'll resurface. Mm, Yeah. And you have to go back. Even if you think you're all right. Yeah. it, It comes back. Yeah. You can't build like a, a, fancy palace over dodgy foundations it's no. not you have to go back and fix the yeah. foundations exactly look that palace is going to look beautiful for a couple of years and then it's going to fucking crumble yeah. and turn to shit <laughs> it'll be a sinkhole yeah exactly um uh but yeah so and I, I did a few bits and pieces acting just wrote a lot of music um and then just as i was like Do you know what i'm just gonna just even for just this year i'm just gonna concentrate on writing music and trying to get it to a place that I'm really happy with, that I'm like, I want to listen to this music. Um, I signed a deal with Columbia, or I agreed to, I was like, I'm going to do it. Let's just do it. Why not? It's like distribution. They'll, they'll put my music out. They've said to me, they're not going to mess with it. Right. Um, were you, were you, I was going to say, were you worried about people coming on board and you losing any sort of control? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a control freak. Yeah. I, like, like I had, yeah, I'm a complete control freak. So many people are, man. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, you're looking at one right now. <laughs> and I make no bones about it. And anybody that knows me know, knows that I am anyway. <laughs> and it's just about, you know, over the years, it hasn't manifested itself very well. And, mm. you, you, but, you know, as you go along the road, you, you learn when to say things, when not to say things, and mm. how to approach things. It's just, you're just learning all the time, though. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You can't uh, sort of apologise for it all the time. You just go, okay, right, okay. Mm. Well, isn't just, we're just, everything's a learning curve, isn't mm. it? Surely? Yeah, of course. Of course and the is. older that you get, the maturer that you get, you go, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hold my hands Can, up. Yeah, that, just, that, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the trust was there. Yeah. I'd, I'd say there was like, it was 70% trust. Right, okay. <laughs> you can't give everything. Well, no, no, you can't. Um, but <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on the bus one day and I'm literally like a few days away from signing my deal. By the way, I read Kill Your Friends the week before I signed my deal, stupidly. Wow. Um, good, <laughs> good, good move. <laughs> <laughs> Even now I'm like, why did I do that? What was I thinking? <laughs> I must have thought it was like a factual. Well, it kind of is, isn't oh, it? Kind like, of, yeah. yeah, I mean, I've met some of those people. It, it, wouldn't, <laughs> it would not surprise me. Yeah, yeah, I've met a lot of those. People. I think even I might be wrong, but I think even John Niven's come out in himself and gone, "Yeah, it's loads of." We used to work in the. Well, yeah, he was like, "Oh, wasn't he?" Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm on the bus, and my agent calls me. She's like, um, "So, they they." They want you to be in Game of Thrones. They've cast you. You, you got the part. And I was right. like, Be- <laughs> beg your pardon? <laughs> I got strong, wrong line? I think it had been like a really long time as well. I think like I'd auditioned for it like two, three months before yeah. and I just thought, I thought it was gone. Mm. Um, So yeah, I ended up getting Game of Thrones and, um, and signing my deal at the same time. Also... I'd just done Broadchurch and this thing with uh, our mutual friends, Kieran, Kieran Hawkes and uh, Neil Maskell, yeah. Joe Hartley, Terry Minot, called The Mimic, which was like, for me, 
that was the job that made me excited again about acting and about like it made me want to go and audition for Thrones and do all that stuff because I was like it felt like I was working with friends on something that we really cared about. And I don't think anybody watched it necessarily, but... I did. We Obviously. <laughs> but you're working with like-minded people, and that's what oh, it's yeah. all about. You've got a great environment yeah. to sort of play and be free and not yeah. be judged. I'm really nurturing. Yeah. I'm really yeah, like... Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Joe Hartley, just... That woman is it's just... She's such an important person to me in, like, when I look at that time of my life. Her and Kieran as well, yeah. like, you know, and uh, so, yeah, so I was <laughs> just as I was like starting to be like, oh, yeah, I remember why I love this. Now I sign a deal <laughs> to a major label, which is like they own you. They own you. <laughs> um, so what did they make you do there? Because you got these. They, off, did it, so what was on the what was on the table? So you it was just there was Game of Thrones and there was signing with the label. I feel like I'd already shot. Or maybe the mimic came after, actually. Basically, I can't sign any kind of option. I couldn't sign any kind of option when I was with Sony. Right. But Thrones weren't, weren't offering an option. They were like, we don't, this character might just be in a few episodes. Okay. We, it probably will be a few episodes. We don't know if there's so any that was safe. Future. You, you, could, you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously there was an element, I think, where they were like, how are we supposed to like establish you as a like musician if you're in like one of the like it wasn't quite as big as it is now back then but like like how <laughs> and I was thinking as well I was like I don't think anybody will take me seriously as a right, okay. musician which I care about less now but at the time I did I really did care about like what people would think and perceptions and all that kind of stuff. That's so funny you said that. They all, it all came at the same time. And I was yeah. like, um, could I do all of it? And I ended up trying at least to do all of it. And how did that go? For, for within you, I'm not talking about the, 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 the outcome. I'm just talking about the person, well, not the outcome art, artistically, the outcome personally. Yeah. How did you, was that hard to deal with? I loved, I loved Thrones. Love the mimic. Um, the label situation was, it was a good thing. So I was like, I have, I now have an outlet outlet, you know, I can now like unleash all of these songs that I've just wanted to get off my chest and they, yeah. they but they still kind of just lived in my own little world and now they can go out. I can release the birds. Yeah, <laughs> of course. And that can, they can be what they want to be to however many different people. Exactly, yeah. And they'll probably be different to so many people. Yeah. But yeah, I, I worried all the time about, like, no one's going to take me seriously. I I was, I begged the label to just let me, because I was always going to go under, like, a pseudonym because that's what I'd always done back at yeah, home as well. Yeah, you're doing that, yeah. Yeah, so, like, I and I kind of said, I said to the label, like, please just let me do this as, like, a masked thing like just don't release any press photos of me or anything let's just put the music out and just have it be that and I was kind of trying to work out while I was running like how am I going to do this how yeah. I just I just need to just hide and also because the songs were so personal I was scared I was like I don't 
Well, you're no, put, if I want to give this stuff put, away to you're people. really putting yourself out there. Aren't yeah. You? You're putting all your personal stories from your heart and soul out there. Yeah. And that must be a really nerve-wracking thing. Mm. It's not like getting up on stage or going in front of a camera. No. No. Because also, that's the, if, you're, if you're doing those things, it's somebody else. Somebody's yeah. not... Ideally, someone's not looking at you. They're looking at someone that looks like you, but is a completely yeah, different yeah, yeah. person. Of course. Um, so, yeah, it was very exposing. And I... But obviously something that you needed to do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I did need to do it. There's only so many books you can fill (laughs) without letting someone (laughs) read them, do you know? I can never fill enough books. Well, no, I say that, but like I said, I've had like pretty severe like writer's block and just exhaustion, I think, recently, since the first album came out. But, um, But yeah, the label thing wasn't a good marriage. Like, you can't go into... I feel like you can't go into any relationship with three or four, le- like, layers of guards up. If I had that thir- that 30% of guardedness I had is enough for it to not be a good relationship. And I think we wanted different things. They saw me as one thing. Yeah. I saw myself as another thing. And we both just kept going till it was sort of too late. And then we were, like, just fighting over which was going to be which. And, like, ultimately... I I won. Um, so you didn't feel you were compromised after all that? No. no. There's like sh- sh- things that I'm petty about, like the mix. I'm not happy with the mix of my first album, but I don't think most people necessarily notice that. There was things like, there's like a video, there's one video in particular that I, I hate and it just doesn't, I'm like, this doesn't represent who I what am. I want to re- yeah. put out. But um, but yeah, they they, to be fair to them, they were supportive and they're not they weren't bad people i was very cagey with them i didn't trust the industry and the more i went into it the more i was kind of like oh yeah i am a product now but i need i want i don't want to be a product i want to be something else um so yeah it just it was just a bad marriage so how did that change was it a conscious decision to change because obviously you were contracted what no I, i was dropped oh you were dropped i was dropped yeah like a year and a bit ago, 18 months ago. Um, so there was like a what, complete change of... So of, how long after the album? I want to say about nine months. But the album did yeah. well. I mean, yeah, cr- critically. It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't really about that. I, think, I mean, for one, the expectation for artists is really high. Right. Majors. Like you have to, you know, if you don't break top 10, top 20, then... They don't want to know. Is that it? But God, see, Griff's nodding his head. He knows. He knows more about this, this <laughs> yeah. business than I do. The music stuff. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, it was like basically the the people that signed me or the person that signed me left the company. Right. The new guy that came in didn't wasn't interested in continuing with me. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. Maybe this feels like I, I, I'm speaking out of turn I think I'm contracted to not say any of this but like so I can always I felt like (laughs) (laughs) it was it was I felt like I've I'd been wearing like weighted clothes for four years yeah and then it was like somebody just had instantly just taken them all off and said just go run like it was it was I didn't know being dropped could be such a positive (laughs) thing I think there's like a real stigma in that that term, what in being dropped? Being dropped, yeah. And it's it's really weird because a lot of artists 
are dropped for no reason. And it's like, yeah, of course, but that's other people's opinion of, yeah. of, of an artist. Yeah. But you it, know, actually, that's amazing that you saw it. As a, and also that it felt a freeing thing. Yeah. Like, like you were, I said, it was in just, a way you were being compromised and you were being pushed and pulled about. Yeah. Well, it was like, it just felt like everything was a fight. That's not a good situation to be in. If you're no. in a relationship and you're, all you do is fight and you have the occasional, like, makeup sex or like you're occasionally like, you know, you have little moments of joy, then that's not, it's not somewhere that you should stay. And it's not conducive for any relationship, is it? Yeah. It's like the, what you're saying about the trust. The yeah. Tr- the trust isn't there. Mm. It's like, it's even when you're acting, when you go on set, if the trust isn't there with the director, then how are you supposed to fall? Yeah. And like and give yourself to them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 But I, and, and like I say, I hold my hands up and say that like I was quite cagey for a lot of that time. I wasn't interested in like having personal relationships with A&Rs or whatever. I was just like, I'm going to do my thing, you do your thing, and that's not collaborative. And it needs to be collaborative. So I know that I like resisted a lot. But it's because it wasn't the right fit. And I could, and like, some, I think we could all tell it maybe wasn't. Maybe not the right you know. time. You know, yeah. you're obviously... Yeah. I think I knew before I signed the deal that like I wasn't supposed to be, I'm not a, that's not the, that's not who I, who I am. It's not the house that I'm supposed to live in. (laughs) Yeah. Like, um, so yeah. So you felt positive after that. Did you feel you were just going to go back to, to, to writing for you or did you feel that you, 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 were you happy with that? Yeah. Yeah. Like that was kind of what I always, wanted to do but like i want to write for me and then give it to people like yeah. i don't there's so many things like there's so much build up and like you know there's like release windows and quarters and all this like jargon that's just boring it's just boring yeah. it's got nothing to do with like the artists relationships of people that listen to what they make like it's it's business stuff and you still have to be i still have to be business minded but now like creative shit comes first that's yeah. this, that's what matters well, it's getting it right of, kind of as it should really yeah because if if the creative stuff isn't correct mm. then you can't sell it for me yeah because it, it's not good mm. and i'm not happy with it yeah also i'm like if i'm giving you something that you don't want to sell how are you supposed to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> market sell that. it to people <laughs> yeah. yeah um but yeah it's it's kind of it all worked out for the for the best. It's just that once the album was done, was out, and I toured it and all that kind of stuff, I was just knackered. I was like, it was like the end of a, I'll say battle, I won't say war, because there's people in actual wars. Yeah, I know. But like, you know, like, it just felt, I, was, I just felt like... You spent. I spent, yeah. Mentally and physically. yeah. I was just like, I just need to rest. Or And are you good at stopping? No, I didn't stop. I didn't stop. Did you burn out? I, I am, yeah. Do you feel it now, still yeah. burn out? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I haven't, I ne- I've never stopped. Always been doing something, even like, even when I've had those times of like depression and and being anxious and like there's always some plate that I feel like I have to spin. I have to keep going. I have to keep working. I have to work harder than other people because I'm brown. I have to, 
you know, I have to work harder than other people because the 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 view of like actors slash or music slash anything is not really seen as like it's like pick something. If you love something enough, pick something. Well, why can't you, know? you do three? Or, why can't you wear three or four different hats? Yeah, people should do anything they want to. And like, I'm gonna, I, I, I still want to make films. Like that's that's never. But like we've just been, you know, dis- we know from all of our discussion today, or we've been talking about that both both things that you're really really passionate about that you do for a living now mm. are pretty much equal. You've been doing them at the same time. Yeah, pretty been doing much. Them you know what I mean? Things. There's a nice balance between. Yeah. So it's not like. And who gives a fuck? Why? Why shouldn't uh, a musician then go and train to be an actor or vice versa? You know, but I understand that stigma is attached, but we just need to be more open and go, well, look, if you want to do it, do it. Go and do it and do it really well. Mm. Oh, man. (laughs) Just spilled sugar everywhere. It's all right, Um, don't worry. It's just the table. (laughs) It's like when you try and do things, like, really quietly, that's exactly when you're like, (laughs) fall down the stairs. Yeah, it's like going into (laughs) your parents' house when you were drunk and you're trying to put the key in. Yeah, <laughs> and everything's out. <laughs> Massive sound. Where that elephant come from? What's going on? Um, yeah, I did, like it, it, I don't care about that stuff as much as I used to. I just think like I'm that's just going to make. Got to be healthy though. Yeah, I think so. I just need to sort out my head to some extent. Like I need to sort out the personal stuff that I never addressed. And that's the thing is I I use these things as distractions from myself. Like I always have. And it doesn't mean I don't love them. They're not there just as excuses to be like, you know, they don't, they don't just serve that function. But I feel... I, I've like blanked out a lot of my life. And I've, do, and I've done it Consci- by... Consciously. Yeah. Yeah. Subconsciously, consciously. I know. You, you know, mean. like, yeah. like it's... Like I go to the, the cinema is my favorite place to go because you're in a dark room, you can't leave and you're watching somebody else's life and it's got nothing to do with you. And if it has something to do with you and it connects to you and it makes you cry or whatever, then that's cathartic, isn't it? You know, it's, for me, that's the safest place I can be. And it's a release as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. But I also know that that's a distraction. I don't, I don't, I walk around, I've been walking around the world with headphones on every day since I was... 12 I, to, I can't take in to constantly the world. be distracted <laughs> yeah I've, I've always tried to distract myself from, do, you, do you find the world an overwhelming place sometimes absolutely yeah yeah I find it baffling I don't I don't get it, <laughs> it, it well it's a hard place yeah and life is hard yeah and it, it's all it's all contradictory everything's con- a contradiction everything's true and everything's not true <laughs> do, do you know what i mean yeah and that version of your truth over there i'm pointing off just i'm not pointing to jacob pointing to somebody else <laughs> um that version of is is that person's truth mm. we might say it as complete falsehood yeah yeah and there's you know millions of of those billions of different truths millions of different stories <laughs> who's unique i don't know mm. we're all we've all got the troubles we've all got the problems but that's why it's just how to deal with them just yeah. trying to deal with them and I don't know I don't know no you're right 
Have I exhausted you? No, no, no. No, no. What it is, what it is, this is not the radio. We can have a bit of dada. It's called thinking time. Do you know when people say what? something when I do this? To think, to, just to really think and go, yeah, actually. Sorry, I'm just being, you know, I'm being selfish and I'm thinking about something. And I don't have anything What are you thinking say. about? Sorry, that's, you're no, trying to No, I was think. just thinking um, the day-to-day sort of complexities of everybody, but you're shutting all those people out. Mm. I'm just wondering when you consciously or subconsciously went, no, I I need, even though I know you say it now that you still like to be in that safe place, you like to be in that cinema, you like to be with that headphones on. Mm. When was the moment where you felt you needed to talk or have you always been talking? Uh, If... if we're drowning, mm. right, um, when was the time when you, you stuck your hand up and said, I, I, I need I need a, a little bit of help here? Um, the first time, things kind of got as desperate as they could get, really. Okay. And somebody, one of my employers said, uh, I you need to go see someone. Was it when you were being particularly self-destructive? Yeah. Right. Um, and I was being, like, unprofessional as well. Like, you know, sometimes I... I, <laughs> uh, I mean, I could say it's because I, I would never do this now, but, like, so I'd, like, drink at work and stuff, and it's, like, you can't do that. <laughs> but I think the, the the company manager, like, at the time was... I think he just was like, I can see that something's really wrong. Yeah. And and you, you have to go and try and articulate it in some way. So I kind of got referred somewhere and um, just had a really bad time of it. Had a really bad experience. Um, I was no. just... I was, sorry. sorry, go on. No, no, I was, I was just too, like, fragile at the time to take any missed like any kind of human error like against me was enough to just like destroy me because <laughs> yeah. I like I started therapy and I was saying all this stuff I'd never said to anybody like breaking down in sessions and just like was just saying things that I completely like stopped myself from thinking about yeah and and then in one of the sessions, the therapist um, got my name wrong. And I took it so badly. I just took it really personally. I was like, I've told you things I've yeah. never told anybody. And you can't even remember my name. Look, I can but understand. But like she, not, she or he was, is a professional. I understand what that is now. Yeah. You know, like she's seeing... <laughs> Yeah. She, she is he seeing, was seeing many like different many people, having people. many different stories and yeah. helping. Yeah. But I'd, instead of like saying that to the therapist, I just never went again. I just stopped. And it was really, it was a bad idea. I'm really, I'm, I'm very, very lucky that I met my girlfriend when I met her. Like I said, like, you can't cover over the cracks, but like she saved my life. Like, I'm, you know. And it, 
and and also she encouraged me to like write keep writing keep keep doing the things that make you happy yeah Yeah, yeah. keep doing that um so yeah it, it didn't go well first time i tried to get help um but i think it's thinking about kids to be honest i think it's the thing that's really changed this time okay like i can't put my stuff onto a little person i don't i don't want to don't want to encourage that. I want yeah. to be able to be as supportive as I can. And I want to... But I'm also now realising I want to be better for myself. I don't, I don't, I don't want to feel like this. Like, no, because if you're not better for yourself, how can you guide anybody else? Yeah. And, if you're that's, still... That's the other thing. It's like I've sp- I sp- spent years like being really open and really honest about my, f- like, my head in songs, but never really talking about it to anybody and never really like opening up about anything and i feel like it's just so, it's so important to yeah to talk to someone yeah does like as long as you feel safe and as long as you like you trust the person you feel like you're an invite it doesn't matter no. who it doesn't matter sometimes it's the people that you're not even like super close to that really surprise you i will, obviously i wouldn't advise like i'll just go and tell like someone in the street but like there are places you can call there after and it's and it's important to no, do that and to keep as, talking to each other as you say it is and it's important for other people to listen mm-hmm. but it has to be in the, the environment that you said a safe environment mm. Mm. it's all about safety and it's, there's like that thing of being able to talk to somebody is all about safety and we have to create that for other people as yeah. well without any sort of stigma attached because there yeah. just shouldn't be nowadays. No. The upstairs connects for us with everything. Yeah. Well, I thought you meant the literal upstairs. Then. <laughs> I was like, earlier on I heard someone say, no. I'm not racist, but... And I was like, you didn't hear that. Yeah, and I was like, that is... That's such a great thing to overhear. Was it, I'm not racist, I've got loads of black mates. Was it that, was <laughs> that, sentence, that, that fucking shit house? <laughs> well, look, you know you can always come and talk to me, man. I've loved Thank it. You, man. Thank you so much. It's been fun. Enjoy it. Yeah. Is that all right? I did. And another episode is done. Um, I think you understand now why I didn't want to say too much at the beginning of the episode about, about what was in it. It's just better if you open your ears and, and, and listen to the conversation. And uh, maybe you'll understand now why it, it is good to talk. You can talk about these things. It's important. Um, right, well, not really a lot more to say. I want to thank you so much for downloading and subscribing telling your friends, getting in touch with us on social media. We're at Two Shot Pod, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, all those places. It's twoshotpod at gmail.com if you want to drop us a line. And do go and rate and review and uh, whack the old five star on. Go on, what are you waiting for? That would be very kind of you. Look, uh, I'm going to go. Have a very, very lovely week. Take care. And I will see you next week for episode 63. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. 
Our music, our brilliant music is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. <laughs>